Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. In the last episode, we talked about excruciating pain and just kind of everything that can really encompass that excruciating pain. So if you didn't hear that episode, we really recommend it. This week, we want to talk about how to get through that kind of excruciating pain. This kind of became an obsession of mine because, as I mentioned in the last episode, I had to stop taking the painkillers because the side effects that they cause, other painkillers, then they weren't working for me. Even though I was working with my doctor, we couldn't find a way to help me get rid of the pain. And so I was stuck to endure the pain month after month, every time my period came, debilitating cramps for about a year and a half until I had my excision surgery with with my super endo specialist. Excision surgery. It's like our trophy on the wall. (laughs) So, and this is also a good time to mention too that if you do have excruciating pain or pain on your period, definitely go to your doctor. Even if you're already diagnosed with endo, your doctor is really going to be your best resource for finding treatment for your pain and trying to find a solution. So, definitely, definitely go look for an experienced specialist in endometriosis. So now, as we've established, you are seeing your doctor for your excruciating pain and you're working with your doctor on your treatment plan, but let's say that you still have to have this pain. In the last episode, we touched on kind of what the pain is and everything that it encompasses and the emotional side to the pain. There's the fear leading up to the pain, the hate of the pain, the recovery, Keeping that in mind, what has helped me most with getting through debilitating pain is learning to see the pain in a different way in my mind. So this is not mind over matter. No. Okay? The pain is real. And when I talk about this, I want you to know every time it still feels like someone is bashing my spine in with a crowbar and I am still sobbing and screaming and writhing on the floor. But I'm trying to set up my thoughts and emotions in a different way towards the pain. So although I'm in crippling pain, I suffer less and my overall experience with the pain is actually improved. So we're going to go into all of that in detail in this episode. The first thing that we want to talk about today is meditation, specifically a type of meditation called Vipassana. There are actually many different types of meditation a person can do, but Vipassana meditation is specifically about the way the mind relates to the body's sensations. And we all know what pain is. It is a very intense, horrible sensation. Meditation has helped me immensely, as well as many people around the world, 
because we've learned to relate differently to our body's discomfort and pain. And that is just so, so helpful and needed with endometriosis. You might be thinking, meditation, really? Why is everyone talking about meditation all the time? Because meditation is awesome, Brittany. Okay, she's Get right. on board. She's right. I am on board. <laughs> meditation is strength training for your mind. Think about it because our mind interprets our entire reality. This type of meditation has taught me how to be with my pain. That, in many ways, has freed me from my suffering. Because in the end, when we are in crippling pain and medicines don't work, we are stuck to be with our pain. We are stuck to feel it because, like I said, the medicines, they're not working. They're, like, there's nothing to take away this pain. So we are stuck with our pain, which is the worst, by the way. So what else can we do except learn how to be with it and learn how to wait for it to pass? Because in the end, we're just stuck waiting for the pain to pass. Vipassana meditation, it's not religious, so it's open to any belief. And they teach them at these centers all over the world. So I went to a 10-day silent retreat. You heard her, silent retreat. Where you are in (laughs) silence. You don't talk at all. (laughs) I actually remember at work when I told my boss I was going on vacation to go to a 10-day silent retreat for meditation. And she flat out asked me, like, why on the earth would you want to do that? I just said, oh, because that's interesting to me. But in my mind, I was actually thinking, because I have to learn to be with my pain. I have to have this to live. Like, I have to do it. So how does this meditation teach you to be with your pain? Basically, it teaches you how to sit in your body with pain and with discomfort. For example, you learn how to sit through an itch and not scratch it. You learn how to sit through discomfort or a light pain in your legs because you've been cross-legged for, you know, an hour sitting on the floor. One key to succeeding in this is learning how to be more non-judgmental with your thoughts and also with those sensations. Instead of wishing, oh, I have an itch and I wish it would go away, it's bothering me, you just learn to sit with it. Because part of this is learning and knowing that these sensations in your body, they're going to pass just like they arise, right? Like an itch, it just comes out of nowhere. Like suddenly your back is itchy. It wasn't itchy 30 seconds ago, and it probably won't be itchy in a minute. We want to scratch it. Hurry, hurry, help me back. It just scratch it, scratch it. But the truth is, if you just don't scratch it, the itch will go away in a very short time. (laughs) My nose was itching while you were saying that, and I was like, don't scratch it, don't scratch it. And then it just went away. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) While you were talking, I was like, okay, not going to scratch. I'm just going to. I'm just going to let it, and then it it went away. (laughs) So you learn to focus on your breath and on different parts of your body that aren't itchy or aren't in pain. Wow, Amy, that sounds really hard to do, like really hard. No, it's super easy, Brittany. (laughs) Yeah, you just, when you get an itch, you're you're just like, I will sit here like a stone statue. I do not have itch. itch. My body never itches. Well, I don't believe that. This itch is nothing to me. (laughs) No, it's horrible. It's really hard. Like, I remember when we first started doing it. And then, yeah, well, suddenly when they say, like, okay, when you get an itch, like, just let it go away. I mean, suddenly you start feeling itchy. Yeah, when you were just talking about it, I was like, my face itches, my leg itches, my back itches. Oh, my gosh, I can't scratch if she's going to (laughs) know. 
She's watching me. She'll know that I... Vipassana will know. She'll know that I cave into my sensations. It was very hard to not scratch them, but I did not scratch them. You're so good, Brittany. I was practicing Vipassana right here. But you see, yes, it is hard to do. But one of the really good things is that they teach you and they have this like tried and true method and... They have instructors there. So you have group instruction and then you watch these videos from this teacher. So it's very thorough and it's very complete. And so for me, and I think a lot of people at the end of 10 days, you walk away with this really life changing tool. And this tool only strengthens like the more you practice, the better you get at it. So the pain still hurts. I mean, don't get me wrong an itch still itches and excruciating pain still feels like excruciating pain. But Vipassana, the the meditation, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's like it's taught me how to be patient through the pain. So it's taught me to accept that in this moment, I'm in pain. So I no longer fight the pain with my mind. Like I'm no longer When I'm in pain, just wishing so desperately, like, I wish I wasn't in pain. Of course, I don't want to be in pain, obviously. But I'm not holding on so strongly to all these feelings around the pain. So before the pain comes, I'm not fearing the pain like I used to. You know, I'm not filling up with all that anxiety and that dread and that terror, like knowing the pain is coming. And then when the pain ends, I used to be so angry that I went through this pain and angry that for three days I couldn't meet my friends. I couldn't go anywhere, blah, blah, blah. It's like now I just I no longer hate the pain like the pain it just is and I let it come and I get through it and then it leaves. So personally, I think for me, that has been the biggest key to suffering less through the physical pain and also to having less trauma around it. I highly, highly, super highly recommend Vipassana Meditation, their 10-day course. And they have centers around the U.S. and actually around the world. It's like exploded in popularity. And the really cool thing is that it's donation-based. So, I mean, it's free. And then you go and you can donate because the center, they feed you. You know, you sleep there. Like they have all the facilities. So, of course, it's good to give a donation because you've eaten their food for 10 days. And it's all run by volunteers. And actually, the next time that I go back, I've gone twice now. I want to go next year and I want to go next year as one of the volunteers that cook and so they're called servers. And so the whole course is run by volunteers and it's run by donation and it's run on the kindness of everyone's heart, which is so cool. What a good environment to be in. It is. I'm telling you, it is so healing and restorative to be around people who really care and want to invest in your health. It's so therapeutic. It's amazing. And at the end of 10 days, I feel like a lot of people just... Because you have so much time to think, but then you're trying to like not judge your thoughts and just be like learning to be with your thoughts. I think it's really therapeutic for a lot of people. Like I certainly know that every time I go, I work through like really huge issues of mine. And I think that's true for a lot of people too. The next tip that I want to talk about is also riding on the same theme of this mental strength. When I was in high school, I used to do cross country, which, by the way, I was really, really bad at. So I don't know why I did it, but (laughs) I think I like the whole like team sports team thing. That's fair. Yeah. And I like the coach. She was nice. So the coach, 
I mean, it's really good because I think sports, they teach like these practical skills too. And the coach, he would always really push us. And when, you know, he would always tell us like, don't give in when things get hard, right? Like when the workout is tough, keep going and keep pushing yourself. And we'd be like, I hate you, you know? And He'd be like, okay, run like that one more lap. And you'd be running. He'd be like, I hate him. I hate him. But you ran that one more lap. (laughs) Yeah. And the good thing about running that lap is like after you run it in a few workouts, your endurance goes up. And then it's suddenly before you know it, maybe like two weeks later, it's really easy to run that extra lap. And then next thing you know, you're running two extra laps and then that's easy. And then three. And then, you know, you're flying to the moon. Wow, <laughs> zero to sixty, <laughs> Amy, honey, you never flew to the moon, <laughs> didn't I? No, you didn't. Is my name Neil? No, Mr. Armstrong. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Newsflash. Oh dear. Well, I'm remembering my high school experiences Very differently. way differently than they occurred. Apparently, <laughs> was I even on the cross country team? <laughs> I don't, are you even here right now? I like, what's happening? I need to go check my yearbook. <laughs> Brief pause while I <laughs> while I peruse my yearbook. So I don't run anymore. Thank God. We don't need you unexpectedly flying off to the moon at a moment's notice. <laughs> Here I go. Goodbye. Bye. I guess she's not coming to work today. <laughs> she's on the moon. <laughs> Anyways, Brittany, what I was saying was I don't run anymore. Are you saying this from the moon or are you here? <laughs> and I am back. Focus. Okay. All right. You focus. Eat on the ground. What do they call it? Like. Earth to Amy or... Yes, Earth to Amy. Or calling Amy. Calling Amy. Can you please tell us about this back on Earth? <laughs> okay, so I spaced out a lot because oh, I was in... <laughs> you used a pun, too? <laughs> that, was, that was unexpected. That was actually really good. I'm impressed. She's not really good at that usually. <laughs> so I don't run anymore, but I walk. Where do I walk? I walk for a 45-minute walk every day. No matter what the weather is, whether it's freezing cold, by the way, I hate the cold, or whether it's scorching hot, which, by the way, I do like the heat, Brittany doesn't, or whether it's raining, but not when it's thundering, that would be dangerous. We don't need her getting shocked. And note, not when I'm feeling sick or if I, I don't know, if I, for example, broke my foot, I wouldn't go walking, but... I, she uses judgment, okay? <laughs> I'm rational because I want to say this. That's because surprising <laughs> that you consider yourself it's hard rational. To, you know, Brittany, it's hard to walk on the moon with the gravity issue. All right, okay. that's true. That's true. <laughs> but the point is I make a point to walk every day, no matter the temperature, no matter if I'm tired or if I just don't feel like it or if I'm too busy, I make my point to walk every single day for 45 minutes. Wow, you really torture yourself. I love torture. (laughs) So you're probably thinking that, but that is not torture. Well, you know what is torture? Try to guess again. The pain! (laughs) Clap, clap, clap. I'm so smart. Thank you. I got an A+. (laughs) Yes, Brittany. The pain. That pain, as we've established in many episodes, that pain is the real torture. Actual torture. Like real torture. Taking a walk outside when it's, I don't know, 30 degrees out Fahrenheit, that's not torture. Okay, yeah. Is that uncomfortable? Yeah, because it's cold. Also, if you put on enough clothes and a hat, well, you're warm. Th- yeah, then <laughs> it's about the clothes you wear, people. Preparedness. <laughs> Be ready for the weather. So for me, that's building mental stamina. It's showing my body and myself, like, okay, 
You're not always going to be in perfect conditions. You're not always going to get what you want. It's that reminder of kind of what I talked about with the meditation. I don't know. It's like I am not always going to give in to, to what I want, right? Like, oh, I have an itch. Oh, I'm going to itch it right away. It's like, no, I don't have to always give in to what my mind wants. And I can tolerate a little bit of discomfort without suffering from it. So as Amy and I have been talking about so far about mental strength and trying to endure your situation. Is that what we've been talking about? Yes, it is. Not the moon. We've been talking about that. (laughs) But this is something that we've talked about in other episodes, too, is reminding yourself that you can handle it and that you have handled it and you're going to make it through the pain. And how do you know how strong you are? And do you know how strong you are? And I think some of the ways that we can remind ourselves how strong we are are verbally and self-talk. And if you relate to anything that we talk about, any of the pain, then you already are strong. So if you need to know how to figure out if you're strong or not, this is me telling you that you are. So if you, Preach it, Brittany. If Preach you it. endure that pain, you are strong. Whenever you start to feel the anxiety and the fear and the anger building around your period coming, <laughs> we, we know that feeling. No. It's not easy, but no. through practice, it's really helpful to redirect the thoughts and put them into something that makes you feel more powerful rather than powerless. Ooh. And something that I've literally said to Amy before when she's called me is, you've gone through this before. You always make it through it. It always ends. You are stronger than the pain. The pain will not break you. You can do this. And you have done it. So clearly you can do it. So changing those used to eyes and internalizing that and saying, I have gotten through this. The pain will end. I can make it. I can handle it. It will not break me. And if you just have to repeat that to yourself over and over and over again until you start to believe it, then do it. Because self-talk like that really does help us to make that a part of the way that our brains think of whatever we're experiencing. One of my favorite phrases is, you will not break me. You is the pain. So I'm talking to the pain before the pain comes. And I'm just telling the pain, you're not going to break me. I got this. I'm stronger than you. You will not break me. So you're not going to break me. Yeah, get defiant. If you have to be defiant to that pain, do it. Like, tell it who's boss. You're the boss. (laughs) We don't swear on this podcast, but if we did... (laughs) Just imagine the colorful words, yes. (laughs) We would tell that pain many, many things. Yes, we would. But the important part is both Amy and I never, ever want you to forget how strong you are to endure what you endure month after month and to come out of it and to still be thriving and flourishing and living your life. You are a strong person. So I encourage you to make yourself a mantra. I mean, Amy and I both have things that when we're experiencing, we can self-soothe and self-talk and those words become adopted into our thought patterns and after a while of saying it it really does help well and you also you you realize it's true when you start to believe it some quick ways that you can help encourage yourself to remember those things i used to put a reminder on my phone and you know on like the little reminder i'd put the mantra so when the reminder would go off i'd just read it and then that would help me to remember to say the mantra and what it was You can do the old classic, like put a sticky note on the mirror, and every time you look in the mirror, you remember to say that to yourself. 
Um, or you can find a really great trusted friend or family member. And when you're experiencing that self-doubt or that pain, just saying some kind of trigger word to them and they say those words to you so that you can help internalize them is also a really great tip as well. And so what would the mantra say? What would your mantra say, Amy? I think it would say, I'm stronger than this. That's a good This one. being the pain. This being endo. This being every stupid symptom that comes with it. <laughs> with it. <laughs> That's a good one. And mine, when I'm dealing with things that I struggle with, like anxiety, I always like to remind myself that it will end. And so all the time I say, this will end. You've gotten through it before. You'll get through it this time and you'll get through it the next time. And that helps me to let myself know that no matter how bad it feels right now, that it will end and it will not feel that bad later. And that's something that really helps me to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Another idea for dealing with your pain is to journal or to write about it. I write so much about my pain. Like sometimes I just fill pages and pages with swear words and hateful messages <laughs> to my pain. And sometimes I write about how lonely I feel or how depressed I feel with this illness. And as I write, I just like sob. And sometimes I just write about the trauma of it or I write in great depth about my experiences. But there's just something about that like blank page. You can just Start writing whatever comes to mind and it's like you get it out of you, right? Like when I'm writing, I'm like feeling those, like I said, like if I'm writing about something, sometimes I'm sobbing. My boyfriend's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm reliving the experience I'm reliving I had. the drama. But you know what happens? It gets out of you when you write it. It's like, it's really cool. It's just like goes into the paper. You and get to let it go out of your body. It's freeing. Mm -hmm. And since I started writing slash journaling, I realized, like, I don't know, I've just felt so much better emotionally from, from dealing with this pain. Well, and the coolest thing about being able to journal or write or take photographs or write songs, whatever creative outlet that helps you deal with the pain, is that none of those things judge you or doubt you for your experience. So you can feel free to say whatever in whatever way you want. And that's why it's so therapeutic. Oh, you mean the paper isn't going to come back and say, Ew, don't talk to me about your period. I don't think paper can talk, no. So it's not going to come back and be like, you're boring me. Nope. It'll you're making just me let you write all over it. You're making me uncomfortable. Nah, I heard that so many times. <laughs> but no, the paper will not tell you that. So I encourage you to just start writing, like especially if you're just feeling upset and just go sit down. Go start writing. Write whatever comes to your mind. If you're like, I don't know what to write, then write that. Write, I don't know what to write. This is stupid. Amy and Brittany in the podcast told me to write, and I think this is so <laughs> stupid, but for some reason I'm doing it anyway. And blah, blah, blah. And Stream then, of consciousness on the paper. Just do it. And soon you will find it. that your mind will begin to focus and it will go mm -hmm. like where you. And it's like a light switch. And all of a sudden you're writing about your experience and you step back. You're like, oh, my gosh, it really does work. So try it. Tell us how it goes. And who knows? You could write something really good and then later publish, publish it. Publish it. <laughs> and become famous. Yeah, do it. <laughs> okay, on to the next subtopic, which we want to talk about support. For me, the worst, the worst part, apart from the fact that it like really, 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 like really super duper hurts. Apart from that, ignoring that, the worst part about the pain is being alone. Going through 
literal hell by myself. With no one there, Brittany. No one. Just me. And the satellites. And the rover. Well, the rover doesn't talk back, so I think you're mostly alone. (laughs) Up there on the moon. (laughs) I think we just need to send you to the moon at this point and get it over with. (laughs) I wanted to be an astronaut when I was in high school. Really? Yeah. You're smart enough. You could have done that. But I changed my mind. So you also, I was like really, really sick, and I was like, I don't really think I'm gonna ever. Can you imagine Endo pass? On the, on, as an astronaut? Like, oh my gosh! Well, Endo in an airplane is bad enough. It's bad enough. Yeah, yeah. can yeah. you imagine? Oh my gosh! I don't want to imagine. So on Amy's imaginary moon, there are rovers that help her with her Endo pain. <laughs> I like this fantasy. I like where it's going. Keep going. Yeah, little robots. <laughs> I'm like, rub my back, and the robots like. I will rub your back. Well, your surgery was assisted by little robots, so half of that came true. (laughs) Back to where was I, hmm? I I don't remember. Okay. Back on Earth. Back to, oh, being alone. Well, here's the thing. When you're in excruciating pain, no one knows how deeply I'm suffering in that moment. Like, no one knows how my soul is being ripped apart by the severity of the pain. There is no one to hear my uncontrollable moaning which could be a good or a bad thing. And there's no one to rub my back as it breaks in half, except the robot. Folks, I think we've lost her. (laughs) Okay, but that's why you lost me, because it takes an emotional toll off me, Brittany, okay? The pain, when I'm alone, it takes this emotional toll on me that I have to shoulder by myself. It's like, I'm suffering. Does anyone hear me? Does anyone care? Does anyone see my tears? Just the robot. <laughs> Am I a robot? Am I the robot? See with the tears, oh then gosh. I squeeze him. <laughs> then I squeeze him out on you our. Make him rusty on and our he's ruined. <laughs> I was gonna say, I squeeze him out on our plants, and that's how we stay alive up on the moon. You have plants on the moon now. Wow, <laughs> great moon. I think we should all move to the moon. We'll call it Endo Moon. <laughs> Oh my gosh, should we change the name of the podcast, Endo Moon? No. I really like it. (laughs) No. (laughs) So I don't know if all that made sense, ignoring the the moon part, but I have a boyfriend right now, but he travels a lot for work, so he's not always with me when I get my period. But when he is with me, when I'm going through that crippling pain, somehow that pain seems a little more tolerable just because he's with me, just because I'm not alone. Well, it probably seems that way because he's there with you seeing the actual physical agony and it helped him to understand what you go through. I think seeing that is very different than being told about it. It's so hard to explain it to others as we spent an entire episode on how to explain your pain. It's very difficult. And so many times friends and family that are really close to us doubt or dismiss that that level of pain is real. So having somebody there watching you experience it is a very validating feeling. It's like a really awful movie that they're <laughs> A movie I never put in. I never, I never wanted to watch this. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> it's a horror movie, but like actual horror. It's probably also super helpful that he could actually do things for you. I mean, I know how much you like chamomile tea when it's at its worst. And making chamomile tea by yourself sounds like a burn hazard. So it's really helpful that he can do that. He can put your sweater on, take it off, put it on, take it off, because we know how that also, the hot and the cold. Clean up your puke bucket so your cat doesn't step in it. I mean, there's so many things that they're useful for when they're around. Whomever you have. The robot. Yeah, the moon robot. 
It makes things more possible. The impossible little tasks make it possible. So that's why having somebody around probably makes it feel less impossible. Yeah, that's a good assessment. I think, you know, I remember a couple years ago when I didn't have anyone to be there with me. I was single, you know, friends don't want to come over and live your horror story with you. You didn't even have a moon robot? I had not yet flown to the moon (laughs) at that time. Fair. But what I did have was a stuffed teddy bear, a little white bear who was also named Bear. Sounds like he's seen some things, though. (laughs) That's all you had. He's seen some things. And he has seen things, (laughs) let me tell you. He has heard horrible screams, felt a lot of tears. I mean, that bear's been through a lot. (laughs) I have this memory of, like, laying on the floor, writhing with my bear, like, moaning uncontrollably because of the pain. And then, I don't know, it's like I realized I had the bear and I was like gripping the bear so hard. I'm surprised it's stuffing. Like the bear is so squished. You rip him apart. <laughs> no, his stu- he's like still intact and he still has a stuffing in it, but he doesn't have like a bear shape anymore. He just has like, he's like a flat. He's a blob. He's like a piece of paper. <laughs> he's like so flat. He's like, this girl squished me. It was the endo. It was the, it was the red dragon. It was red dragon who did it, not Amy. <laughs> he likes white bears. <laughs> and I was just clutching my bear to my chest and I was sobbing and I was thanking my bear like thank you thank you so much for being here like just thank you for not leaving me alone just thank you literally just thanking my bear for being there with me and I think that is a really accurate portrayal of the kind of isolation and loneliness that this pain can cause I love that bear that bear has been with me through some of my worst moments of my life And then poor little bear, because I just up and replaced him with a cat. A real cat. Yeah. (laughs) Like an actual, like, pet. Living cat. Kitten. (laughs) Not a robot either. And I'll tell you what. I love my cat. Everyone knows you love your cat. (laughs) My cat. Okay, why is my cat my obsession? Because my cat is the new stuffed bear. And I... Luckily, I don't squish I hope you her. Don't squeeze her the same way. Oh my god! I don't squish her to death. Or Next anything. time I come over, I'm gonna see Suki like a piece of paper. I'm gonna be very scared. She's gonna be meowing. One of her legs would be like falled off, and the other one will be in a cast. I'd be like, "Where's her tail?" <laughs> I squeezed her too hard. The tail just fell off. I'm gonna call animal abuse on you. Don't squish your cat. My poor little baby kitty. No, you don't do that to your cat. <laughs> but a cat is such a great companion. Especially Especially when you're lonely and especially when you're sick. And my little baby kitty, she has been there with me. Like, we have laid on the bed together and she's put little paws on the the heating pad. And then I've been, like, pacing frantically around the apartment and she's just been, like, following my steps. I'll go wherever you go, mama. (laughs) And then I'm puking next to the toilet and she's just like... what's that? She'll, like, lay on the little back of the toilet on the top top part. (laughs) And then I picked her up and just, like, hugged her and just be like, I love you so much. And then she's like, oh, squirm, I want to get off. And then I'm like, here's a treat. Now get back in my arms. Constant companions that are pets. I love it. But this just so awesome. So I think the best first best thing would be a very supportive human. Yes. That human can be there for you, rub your back, like, get things for Do you. Do things with opposable thumbs needed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, silly cat. You don't have thumbs. But a next best thing could be a cat or a dog or some kind of animal that you can give love to and that can love you. Or the stuffed animal or the piece of paper. Or the moon robot. 
I feel like that's a little a little pricey, but <laughs> but the point is something, something. Is it possible to get Kung Fu Panda in like You can get a live? stuffed Kung Fu Panda. No, but like a live Kung Fu Panda. That's like a play. I don't think that they have a panda on hand Ooh. that can perform Kung Fu. I'd have to ask the Chinese government if that's possible. <laughs> All right. Well, let me know their answer because oh wow, I, okay, she's gonna make me ask. Wow, <laughs> because I'm waiting desperately. Okay, okay? my next period, yes, ma'am. my next period is in two weeks. Red so Dragon has spoken. I will. Ask. I will be waiting for my kung fu panda live. Do pandas have opposable thumbs? That's my sorry. I didn't need to know before we ordered the panda. No, they are bears. <laughs> I don't know what a bear's hand looks like. It's a paw with claws, like a cat's. <laughs> Humans are the only creatures with opposable thumbs. Is that true? <laughs> I don't know. I think so. We're going to go with it. I'm wrong, probably. Just tell us what other creatures have opposable thumbs. And now I'm curious. Now I want to Google that. But panda bears definitely don't. Well, Lizzie does kung fu. <laughs> so the last thing that we want to talk about is pacing and chanting. Chanting while pacing, pacing while chanting. Both mixture, everything together. (laughs) During the raging, my back is being beaten with a crowbar going out of my skin phase of the endopane, it's really hard to keep in a position, right? Like in that phase, I'm not able to just lay still in bed because I'm so frantic and frenzied. Switching my position every five seconds, right? Like I'm laying down, I'm standing up, I'm laying in a ball, I'm sitting, I'm on the bed, I'm off the bed. It's really hard. And what I found is if I'm doing some kind of movement like pacing, then it helps me focus on the footsteps and it makes it more, more. It makes it like Slightly. like the most like tiniest, like little, like by That's a hair. That's a big difference when it's that bad. <laughs> by a hair, more tolerable. I also found this for me with when I'm having stomach issues or anxiety, I would have a root in my apartment that I would go like, I would go five times clockwise, five times counterclockwise, and I would walk the entire perimeter of my apartment. And that's what I would do to help myself calm down and self-soothe. And he was right. It just takes the focus away and you can focus on your footsteps and just it slightly takes the edge off. It can make a real difference in helping you to get over the hurdle or wait out the pain or wait out the anxiety or whatever you're experiencing. My pacing looks a little different when I'm in... Is it rolling and dragging? Yeah. This is good for anxiety, right? Like five... uh, I actually count my steps when I have anxiety. I distract myself as much as possible. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'll count. Because it's not pain when you're in anxiety. It's just mental. So I count the footsteps and I go five times and then I turn around and go five times. I count the footsteps. So that helps me with my anxiety. But the pain is... In as, pain, it's not as like a I'm not sure clinical what, and perfect as that. Yeah, <laughs> in pain, I'm pretty sure I don't know what number comes after two. I'm like one, Kung two, Fu Panda, three. Yeah, my pacing looks a little bit different. It looks more like I frenzied running and falling. <laughs> yeah, it's more like yeah, I look more like frantic, but but it's applicable to more than one thing. But yeah, my apartment's pretty small, so I like pace the wall with my hands on my back or whatever, and then I get to the wall and I like. I try to go back and forth as much as I can, but probably after like, I don't know, 30 seconds, I'm like, <gasps> walking, pacing is so hard. I'll stand here. So then I just collapse on the floor wherever I am. But then I get on the floor and I'm like, floor is too hard. <laughs> okay. Being still on the floor, like in one hand, it's like, yay, I'm resting. But in the other hand, it's like, 
everything's burning. It feels like, <laughs> oh my God, what is that movie? Is it Alien or Predator? The alien gets inside of you and then like claws its way out of yes, the person's comes out of your stomach. stomach. Yes. That's what endopain is like. Yeah. Yeah, That is literally what it is. Add that to how to describe your pain. It's like alien, where the little alien comes out of your stomach. (laughs) I like that. It's a good description. And that's exactly what it feels like. And looks like a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) All the blood. (laughs) So my pacing is more like pace, 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 collapse on floor, crawl, crawl, crawl. (laughs) Uh, I don't like this. Rock back and forth, up, pace, 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 down. But pacing works. Even if you're, you know, tumbling about, it can help you to distract your brain, which can help just a little bit with whatever is going on at the moment. And I also think when you're pacing, I do a lot of chanting. And maybe some people hear chanting are like, oh, chanting, like, oh, what is that? Just like, means repeating something. Exactly. Yeah. Like just talking to myself. So a lot of times when I'm pacing or rocking, I'll just say to myself, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm, I'm okay. fine, I'm fine, I'm going to be fine, I'm going to be fine. Exactly, yeah. but mm-hmm. over and over, like a really mm-hmm. fast pace. And somehow I've found that to be really, really helpful because, I don't know, it's the same thing. It like distracts your mind and then almost in a way it can become like a little bit hypnotic. I don't know, it can make you, again, like just slightly feel a little farther away from that moment being beaten in yeah, the that's back fair. by it. everything all my analogy is about being beaten in the back by something like by a shovel crowbar shovels vices because it hurts wrecking really, balls really... Ooh. <laughs> that's a good one slammed in the back with a wrecking ball i like it yeah. i feel like a wrecking ball would be like so slow where the shovel is just like beep 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 yeah, and the, the wrecking, wrecking ball like, takes down whoosh! buildings and the shovel does not so we're talking if Kung force Fu here. Panda wielded the shovel. Kung Fu sh- Panda is not real. Brittany, stop. <laughs> I'm speaking blasphemy again. Jeez, <laughs> but anyway, yes, chanting also helps. I like to chant when I pace. It's the same like, I'm fine, you're fine, you're fine, it's going to be fine. Just breathe, just breathe. Sometimes I'll tell myself, just breathe. And then I'll like take a breath and then just breathe. Saying the same thing over again, like it's called chanting. It doesn't have to be something super special What are some of the things that you do to get through excruciating, debilitating pain? Because we would love to hear about them. And maybe you were thinking, okay, these were not the kind of tips that I was expecting. But getting through excruciating pain is really hard. And I think that whatever little things that you can do to make it more tolerable, then that's important. These were kind of more of like the psychological side. As we said, tips that could help you get through the experience which we all want. <laughs> of course. And it does not involve a moon robot. Oh. It might in the future. I'm going to leave then. All right, it, bye. <laughs> it, it might in the future. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We are at in16years.com and there you can contact us. You can send us an email. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can tell your friend about this podcast. You can go get a cat. A teddy bear. Hashtag us. Send us pictures of your squished teddy bears. Find us a moon robot. A real panda that does kung fu. (laughs) We're just giving you homework now. I mean. (laughs) Or we can just see you next time. We would like that too.